everybody, and welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. This is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. My name is Ted Desmaisons, and usually in this moment you'd be hearing my partner say, and my name is Lisa Rowland, but we had a little mix-up, a little snafu with a Zoom recording, and Zoom got rid of our intro that we recorded for you. So I'm doing this on my own. So Lisa will be with you shortly, I promise. But uh, this episode, Lisa and I are talking about humility and getting all sorts into humility. We start with a little bit of warm-up, a little bit of play, as you might know if you're a regular listener. But uh, I talk about my inspiration for the topic, and we talk about being humbled by our growing awareness of social justice issues and the insight of younger people. And uh, we touch on what makes for good improv and how humility... Uh, and insight come from stillness and the practice of these true traditions. Lisa gets into how science has a history of faulty certainty, and uh, we talk about the tension between ambition for greatness and humility in intention. So that's what the episode's about. We'll close it with a little bit of uh, talk about humility and parenting, but I want to let you know that, per usual, Bats Improv is doing shows. If you go to improv.org, Friday, Saturday night, live online shows that you can take in. Lisa is often in those shows. And I want to let you know about two classes I've got coming up in the new year. One is Introduction to Playful Mindfulness. It's going to start on Wednesday afternoon, specific time. And uh, I'm going to teach a mindful communication course called The Power of Relational Practice. Really great stuff about experiencing mindfulness in a new way. That's going to start on Tuesday, January 12th, and will run in the evenings from 6 to 8.15 Pacific. So if you're interested in either of those courses, go to playfulmindfulness.info. Again, improv.org for the bat shows. But uh, let's get you into the episode. Again, Lisa will be right with you. Uh, I'm Ted. We're delighted you're here with us. Enjoy the ride. syllable at a time three things sure i've been playing it a lot to warm up for like we played it last night to warm up for the show i had um okay i had something i don't know if you've ever done this where you know we play three things or seven things or 12 things i i sometimes play with myself uh-huh like i'll just come up with a category i'm like oh let me see if i can name seven things like whatever it is yeah and I want to give this category to you. Oh, great. And and so you can do it. And then I'll tell you what I came up with for my seven. How many, how many things do you want? Seven? Seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. But this is, I think this is a funny improviser thing to do to play games with yourself. Maybe this is like COVID. I can't improvise with other people. So I'm just making shit up myself. But okay. So the category is seven bad dwarves that didn't get to hang out with Snow White. Stinky. Oh, what's the, it has to end with a Y probably, huh? Stabby. Um, weepy. Uh, um, crusty. <laughs> Whiny. Um, pukey. And <laughs> druggy. Those all sound druggy like the dwarf. dwarves that come out of illnesses. It's like a, a, a wound on the arm. You're like stinky, itchy, scabby, crusty. 
You're like stinky, crusty, itchy skin. <laughs> scabby. Stab. No, I said stabby, not scabby. Oh, stabby. I thought you said scabby. No, because uh, I was like violent right. dwarf, but I but I was like it needs to be. I guess they were not all like. No, but here's the here's the seven I came up with. It was itchy, bitchy, blotchy, broody, suffer, cudgel, and tank. <laughs> suffer, cudgel, and tank all sound like sort of like Shakespearean uh, mechanical <laughs> names, like right. Cudgel, come over here. Where hast thou yeah. laid thy head? Yeah, yeah but, exactly. You know, who, who, where do those come from? I don't know, but I just, I like, what would the seven bad dwarves mean? I just started naming them off and like, I got to write those down. Itchy, bitchy, blotchy, Bro- broody, bruisey, broody, broody, suffer, cudgel, and tank. Yeah. Yeah. Suffer, cudgel, and tank. Those are, that sounds, that's got a good, <laughs> sounds like rhythm. a law firm. <laughs> nice. Suffer, suffer, cudgel, and tank. How may I help you? Oh, you're here to talk uh-huh. to Miss Cudgel. She, I'm afraid she's meeting with Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Suffer. She'll be right with you in a moment, and you'll know because you'll feel like something hit you over the head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you said syllable at a time. Three things. Three things. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Three. Oh, we can say three things. We can say three things together, and then we'll and then. Oh, we'll, okay. And then you can start. Right, yeah. like three, three things. things. Three reasons you would take lib er tease with your pet. <laughs> the pet has sut denly be come open. To such lib ber tease to the uh, way that they come to in vest gate there. Space has mean ning three. Oh, come on. Three things. Three things. Three. Stip you lay shins for a crime counts. Counts, mm-hmm. crime counts. Great. Uh, one. Take your no wing a part and eggs am in it. Two. Lift up every rock you. And find three A crime will pay if you rob the bank. <laughs> three, three things. things. That's good. 
Oh my gosh. I don't remember them when they come. I no, just me neither. I mean, either. Yeah. it's also like, it feels a little bit like, you know, when we do two person, I am a tree mm-hmm. and it just sort of like keeps going and you can't re- like, it's like being in a drug state or a dream or something. I feel like syllable at a time, three things is like that. It's like, A, you can't be too attached to this being, this making sense or being good or right. Right. And then you have a good time. Like letting go is the, is the key ingredient. I love the mischief of trying to initiate a more than one syllable word. Yeah. Right. Because then that's where the, like the, the real veers left and right happen because you're like, yeah, I'm thinking of adventure and you're thinking of attitude and like all of a sudden, whoa, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well done. (laughs) That was fun. That was was good fun. fun. Yeah. So, so Ted, uh, Lisa, if we can dive in. Yeah, let's do it. Um, it. You suggested humility. Mm -hmm. And I wonder what inspired it. Like what made you think that that would be a good topic? Did something happen? Well, I want to acknowledge that I suggested humbly. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. As you do. I wasn't wasn't too confident. (laughs) No, I think one of the reasons that raises an interesting question is whether you can be humble and confident at the same time. That is an interesting question. Perhaps one we'll get into. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it's a function of getting older. Maybe it's a function of the pandemic, but I have just been feeling, I've often been feeling humbled by life this year. And in some ways I'm more confident than I've ever been. I have a set of skills that I like, I trust makes a big difference for people. I love teaching. I do it really well. I like what we do here on the podcast. So certain things feel really good. Like I know how to do certain stuff. And there are other things I'm like, I have no freaking clue about how that works or what to do with this conundrum I'm facing. And then also coming, uh, partly coming out of being in relation or coming from being in relationship, I'm not coming out of the relationship, but having been in relationship for this time, these last bunch of months and having some ups and downs with that, some of them pretty intense. And then coming back to a, a more stable place with that, I like, I just feel like, wow, there are things that I have done and said and choices I've made. I'm like, did I really do that? Mm. And I thought I was so righteous and so, you know. Right. Uh, right. Simply right. Yeah. And and I I love being right more than I should, I think. Like mm-hmm. more, more than is worth being righteous. I, so... I've just been thinking about it a lot. And I think the more that I started reflecting on it, the more I thought this has a lot to do with mindfulness and improvisation. Mm. That, you know, how do you get to, that this kind of humility and um, what's the word? Maybe spaciousness is really important for being present Right. So I mean, we've talked a little bit with the "It's Not About You" episode uh, a long time ago, but the, it's just like the, the sense of I don't know. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna hang out here, and and then um, when you're carefully observing what's going on, you can see all the start to see all the things you don't know. So that, that's that's what stimulated the the idea of of doing that, and I don't know if that stirs any response in you or if we want to get to your question, but that's where it came from. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, that's my question is like, what, yeah. What, like, what, where did this Mm -hmm. idea come from? Um, The, the thing that I, that I really relate to right now is the sort of like what I am personally going through. And also I think what the country is going through, but I'll just speak for myself with regards to like racial justice and noticing what white supremacy is and where it shows up and the fact that it can reshape my entire understanding of the world I live in, mm-hmm. you know, and leaving behind the thing that you just said that, that, that strikes me as like, what is your relationship to being right? Um, because like loving being right means if you love being right, it means you can learn to love something else, you know, like, oh man, what if I could really love, what if I could learn to really love being off balance or being, Mm -hmm. you know, like something else? Because letting go of how you think things work is hard. And even when you think you're doing it, there's something else that, that it's deeper. You know what I mean? Like even when you think you're, it's like, cause I also feel like there can be a, I just feel like I also know people who are really self-righteous about how humble they are. You know what I mean? Like who are like really take pride in like how open and curious and humble they are. And I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> can I point something out for you? We're sort of back in the thing. And and that's what that's how I connect to this idea of like, yeah, you're never there. You're mm-hmm. never done. And there's always something to question. Mm-hmm. And and what if always maybe you don't know mm-hmm. for whatever it is, how you're living, how it has to be, how you show up in relationship, how you show up in your community, like I mean, all of the all of the things. Who you are. It shows up a lot with age as well. For me, like the the ways that I might be ageist, assuming that younger people don't know as much. Mm. Like I might can dismiss younger people's opinions like, oh yeah, you'll... And I used to be so pissed when people would do that to me. I was 20, when I was 20 or 25 or 30, I'm like, no, I really understand. And there's a part of it now, I look back on myself in those times, I think, oh my gosh, no, no, I did not understand. Yeah. And there were ways that I did understand some things better than the older people around me did. And I wish they would have taken my taken my opinion more, right? Yeah, or yeah, at yeah. least listen to me. And so recently I was part of a group that brought some younger people in to do some to do some consulting. And part of me was like, I'm not sure they're gonna have the gravitas we need. And then part of me was like, Maybe they won't, but they might have something else that we do need. Yeah. They might have some insight or some, uh, the seed of something that I am completely blind to. Yeah. Perspective that. Because because of their age. Yeah. Right. And so I I watched that with, with my nephew, Andrew, who, who uh, we've mentioned a couple of times on the, on the podcast. I just watch him come to his awareness and I'm like, man, this guy's awesome. He's like, he's, he's killing it in terms of the self-awareness and the cultural awareness and the way he's interacting with our family and changing my 
parents' minds. And it's really cool. It's really cool. So yeah, I, I feel that awakened me, that sense of like, you know, I just stay open to insight wherever it might come from and don't think you know everything. Yeah. And, and, and I guess this is like, even, even taking apart that question of they might not have the gravitas that we need is like inherent in that evaluation is a, is a, a criteria based on certain, like mm -hmm. that, that elevates certain things and doesn't value other things or, you know, yep. and then coming around and, and realizing gravitas and life experience is one thing that's really valuable or like years of life experience is one thing mm -hmm. that's valuable and other things are also valuable. And what is it that makes me value this thing over this other thing? Right. Is it because I have more years on life experience and therefore I mm -hmm. value it or because I've been taught that that's the thing or, you know, mm -hmm. I just feel like there's, we are in this like massive time of questioning mm -hmm. what we took for granted as good and mm -hmm. not as good. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, it's like, yeah, everything is everything is under a microscope like oh what i think is good improv mm -hmm. could there be other definitions of that you know what i mean and then, but yeah. and then it's very destabilizing and disorienting because so let, let's be specific with that what would you have said before what would you have said made for good improv well i think i would still say it but now i'm questioning do you know what i mean oh, like okay I, but, oh, so but what would you what so how, what would you say? What makes a good improv? Co commitment to character and mm -hmm. uh, convincing acting. And okay. um, I toss in deep listening for me. Yeah. Yeah. And narrative, like a narrative sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so, but whatever the value, like, but whatever your criteria is, right? maybe, maybe this person's criteria for good improv is it's funny but funny according to who and says who and and what makes you think you know what funny is and can can judge it when you're trying to appeal to a whole community of people who are not all the same as you in your brain you know like like how how much of that is based in a right like one particular dominant culture yeah. and its set of values and how much mm -hmm. of it is and at some point we like if we are a theater company that is holding auditions there is a val there is a value judgment being made that's how right. auditions work so mm -hmm. how do we make sure that we like it's just it's just yeah yeah it's a fascinating notion uh, it kind of gets to what you what you pointed to earlier like can you be confident and humble at the same time there's an element of like recognizing well is it pleasing to you or is it pleasing to me like maybe that's just enough. It doesn't have to be that it's right or good, but just do I like it? Mm -hmm. That could be enough Yeah. To, for me to make a decision about whether I continue to engage in it or not. And unless, I think it, right, unless it's like, oh, uh, I tend to like people that are like me. Right. Right? Like, and, and, like and I, I want to stretch myself because I, yeah. Like, because I like it is how a lot of, a lot of the, 
this happened sure. is because sure. we haven't been critical of that. And like, yes. well, why do you think you like that? Is it because yep. that person looks and sounds like you? Is it because right. they're educated like you? Is it because right. they have the same kind of vocabulary and narrative sense and genre knowledge background that you have? Like, maybe that's why you like them, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. right. Like that's, that's the like taking a part of, well, where do those tastes come from? Yep. And whose tastes aren't being considered here? Mm-hmm. And anyway, I know that this is not about racial justice and equity, this necessarily, but like humility, it takes humility to, to, to arrive and be like, oh, but maybe my, like the, yes, maybe the, the rubric that was implanted in me by mm-hmm. my surroundings. That I take to be mine. Is heavily skewed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's in great. In one direction for reasons that I don't want to be true. I want right. I want to be to be more open. So that's that's the Yeah. I, I one thing that's relevant for me that I remember from back in my college years when I was first learning or unlearning, starting to do unlearning oppression, and I was taking feminist studies classes, and we talked about the importance of using I language. And so, you know, rather than saying, well, you know, when you go to do this and you experience this and something happened. It was like, no, when I experience this, when I feel this, when this happens to me, this is how that one of the benefits of that is that it's both humble and unassailable Mm -hmm. on some level. It's like, if I'm talking about my experience, it's my experience. Totally. So, you know, there it is, but I'm not pretending that it's more than that. Yeah, I'm not pretending that right. it's true, that it's universal right. or or yeah. true of anybody else. I'm saying this is true for me. And, uh, and, and what I hear you, one of the things I'm getting from what you're saying too, is that there's also another layer to go behind that and say, yeah, but how did I come to what I'm, what I'm saying is my experience now? What things are influencing that before I even get to the moment yeah. that are important? Like getting so, critical about that, the formation of those tastes mm-hmm. and those, that experience. And so for me, the, whether it's mindfulness or meditation practice or the, something like that, that these kinds of insights come from stillness or often they come out of stillness. They can come from agitation, I suppose, too, but they can come from stillness. But I can sit and be like, let me just check this out. What am I thinking or what am I feeling and where's it coming from? And you know, so just recently I noticed I was kind of being, I was kind of being cranky and I didn't have a reason for it. I just could hear my voice. I was like, why am I talking that way? And like, in order for me to, to find out, find that out, I need to just get still and quiet and maybe write in my drum again, this is a different processing mode. But for me, there's a, there's a mindfulness practice and like, okay, so what is it? Let me just sit and ask the question and see what shows up in response. Um, And to be able to hold my equanimity when things come up to then not get agitated and like self-judgmental and be like, oh, okay, so hmm, there's that thing from my childhood or there's that thing from a past relationship that pissed me off or I'm feeling scared because of uh, COVID and I'm wondering if I'm gonna see my friends. Oh, right, that's having a direct effect on my behavior now. But without equanimity, I just can get whipped around by all those things and it becomes worse. And with the equanimity from the practice, it just settles, the insight shows up and then I can make a new choice. Yeah. New choice. <laughs> so that to me is kind of how it's tied in with the, with the practice. 
all right, don't have to fix it. Just go sit with it. Stay with it. Yeah. I mean, it also feels so tied in with, I mean, I think both for sort of contemplative practice or mindfulness practice and improv, you've never done it. You've never arrived. You've never achieved the status of, and now you are done with your training. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So there, there's, and it's hard to remember that when you've been doing it for decades and you got all your opinions about, well, when I got all my opinions about what's good and what's bad and who's good and who's bad and what I'm good at, what I'm not good at and all of that stuff, like that can, it can feel very, um, yeah, fixed or based in an unarrivable place, Mm -hmm. like a a place, you know, um, so the humility is woven through both, I think, which is like, oh, but I don't know everything. And like, yeah, they're both practices. They're practices. Mm-hmm. You've never, you're never finished with it. You've mm-hmm. never done it. it you're, mm-hmm. you're always doing it. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's, right. that feels very. And, and that, that ties right in with Buddhism too. I think we've mentioned before the, the idea of the eightfold path that there are, you know, the Buddha recommended eight things to do eight practices for building wisdom and building compassion and and um right speech right livelihood right mindfulness right concentration none of them is a destination point it's a thing you do over and over and over again so it's a how it's a how not a what right it's the process yeah yeah how how to be Mm -hmm. and and how to be how to be humble and still be assertive and how to be yeah humble humble doesn't have to mean pushover and i don't think it needs to mean meek or lacking in confidence actually mm-hmm. like i i really don't it feels like uh, um Dan Klein once said that uh, that truly great improvisers have this incredible combination of bravery and humility and that you can be really brave, assertive, bold, or boldness and humility or something like that. Maybe it was boldness and humility mm-hmm. or bravery and gratitude. I forget. <laughs> anyway, he said something and it was great. Um, and maybe humility was one of the things, but it was, I, I think it, I think it was this idea of like, and I, and I think improv in, encapsulates it perfectly in its, mm-hmm. in its demand that you are, you are bold and adaptable. Mm-hmm. You are, you move super strongly in a direction and you are willing to let it go when it's no longer the direction that this, this thing is moving in. Yeah. And I, I, what's coming to mind is the thing you've mentioned before about clown neutral. And I think we've talked about, it was like happiness and sadness are both part of the, or joy and sadness are both part of the clown's repertoire. And rather than having to be balanced at zero and zero, they're both balanced at 10 yeah. And they can both be turned way up. Yeah. And so in this instance, just because your humble is turned to 10 doesn't mean that your boldness has to be turned down to zero. It's not a zero sum game. It's not yeah. like, well, the more bold, the bolder I am, the less humble I am. I think that that's not boldness. I think that's something else. It's like entitlement or self-righteousness or, or mm-hmm. uh, cockiness, like cockiness right. and confidence are not the same thing. Right. So like, yeah, the more sure of yourself that you've got this right, which is different than boldness. That's right. And, and you can't be sure that you've got this right and also have a high degree of humility. I, I don't think. No, those, I mean, yeah, they're by definition right. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. About, about that thing. Yeah. So it's like, how do you go ahead and say, I I'm not certain about this, but I want to declare it. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, a, it's such a fine needle to thread. I, I kind of love it. It's, it's like, it's like a constant recognition that you don't have all the information. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it is, is like, but at any time we think we have all the information, like a lot of times we think we have all the information or like, I think about this a lot with regards to scientific progress and medical development, medical progress. Mm -hmm. I, I went to, maybe I said, I don't know if I talked about this on the podcast. If I didn't, everybody get your pencils down or open your note, your notes app and write down the pharmacy museum in New Orleans. If you ever can go to this one room museum of pharmacy, of the history of pharmacy in the United States, it is mind bending and awesome. And especially if you go and get the quote unquote self-guided or the guided tour, which is funny because it is literally one room. It's like <laughs> one giant pivot as he like moves around the outside of the room and the group inside sort of turns around to, to listen to him. But it's fascinating because, because right, it sort of tracks the development of human knowledge mm -hmm. of the human body and mm -hmm. how to treat it, how to make it feel better, what thing is tied to what thing, like the like germ theory mm -hmm. and miasma. And before, you know, like before there was germ theory, what did we think got people sick and what were the remedies and why did some of them work, even though it was based on super flawed logic and, mm -hmm. you know, um, so in, it's so interesting and so much righteousness along each of those steps of the way of i mean every time it's like they were doing horrific things because it was all they knew right mm -hmm. like this like mm -hmm. this is all i know about this is what we've well due to the latest scientific discoveries this is the right thing to do mm -hmm. and there's a world of stuff that they didn't know and now we know so much more and what we are in touch with is the difference between what they knew and what we know but what we're not in touch with is mm -hmm. the difference between what we know now and what we'll know in 50 years mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. god 100 years you know and mm -hmm. that that those people will look back on oh my god in in mm -hmm. 2020 they were doing x for y can you believe it they thought mm -hmm. that that was good mm -hmm. they were they, chemotherapy they were poisoning themselves because they didn't know that this thing mm -hmm. whatever it is so true so it's like being aware and 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 that i think that this like like i i i don't know that this is right but i'm going to declare it right like i'm going to move boldly in this direction with the information i have mm -hmm. and i also hold right up at the top that probably i don't have all the information mm -hmm. and i'll do my best and i'll i'll make the the best step with the information that i've got and I'll be willing to change when I get new information. Mm -hmm. and, th and there is that combination of like boldness and adaptability. And you're not wrong because you didn't have the information, mm -hmm. you know, because I feel like the reason that people don't want to make that shift is because they feel there's this ego. Right. Or, or maybe they're afraid of being hurt or hurting other people. I'm reminded as you're talking of uh, the musical Hamilton and yeah. the difference between Alexander Hamilton's approach and Aaron Burr's approach. And Hamilton's just like, I'm just going for it. We're going to get out there and make change. And 
I don't know that he was so adaptable. You know, and like had, and like break eggs along the way. Yeah. Right. He had boldness and spades. I don't know that he had much humility. And Burrs was like, mm, I'm going to turn I'm going to turn both of the knobs down to two and just kind of play it safe. I, I don't want to ruffle any feathers or yeah, cause any see trouble. Which, see which way the wind is blowing, and then right. and then move tentatively in that direction. Yeah. Um, which you could say is more humble. But it seems more fearful, which is well, different. Yeah. Which is different. Which is different. Mm -hmm. I, I like it when people say, people assert something and they say, you know, I could be wrong. I like it when people say that because I, I want to say, yeah, you could be. <laughs> but it's like, good. So we recognize that. But go ahead and tell me what you're going to say. And I can take it. Yeah. Out. As long as they believe it. Right. Because... <laughs> Right, if they're saying it just as a manipulation to make themselves I could be wrong humble. here, but it seems to me, and it's like, you don't think you could be wrong. You think right. you're totally right. You think right. you're totally right, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but it's, you know, I definitely do feel that the knives should go face down in the dishwasher or blade down in the dishwasher. You know, I could be wrong, but I'm totally right. Yeah. But I share that when, when people sort of proclaim their their fallibility. Mm -hmm. It's attractive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that, okay. This reminds me of another aspect of humility that I've been thinking about, which is thinking about jobs, like work in the world, um, ambition. So you and, you and I went to Stanford, people we met there, people we know they're high achieving folks. Some folks doing amazing things in the world and, you know, get the alumni magazine. Um, for me, even more so with Stanford Business School stuff, like some of my classmates are doing things I can't even imagine, managing what are all the numbers of people they're managing. But I get so many, because I'm in the holistic coaching and entrepreneurship world and I'm running my own business, I get lots of stuff about, hey, epic, you know, become your epic self and do this and do that and reach these people and have this impact. And I'm like, I, I don't know that I want that. I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't actually. Like the world doesn't need everybody to be an epic transformative leader. We need some people to kind of just be regular people doing regular stuff and being good people. And, and, and so for me, I think some of that comes out of my family. Like, coming from more middle-class background and like my folks were folks. I mean, I'm a grandfather worked for general electric and uh, my grandmother was a stay at home mom and went to church. And, you know, my, the other side of my family, like higher education, but even those folks were teachers and it's like, we're just kind of doing our thing. Like there's no like epic achievement. And then I also wonder, but then does that mean that I'm selling myself short? Am I sort of containing my potential or limiting my possibility of expression in the world? Oh boy. Because I'm, right? But, but the, the more humble side of that feels, I don't know if it feels right because it, it's familiar or if it feels right because it's, it's better in a sense ecologically. Like I'd love for humans to be more humble in an ecosystem ecological 
You, but you've also talked about wanting to make your exceptional mark on the world. Like I you've know. also talked about like, I want to do the thing that only I can do and leave my thing behind. And, and like that sort of like unique exceptionalism mm -hmm. is also, also present for you. It is present. And that said, it's not like, like I'd love for playful mindfulness to sell a million copies, but more so because <laughs> It would reach those people in a great, hopefully provide some benefit to their lives, but not because it's like, I want to have a blockbuster and I want to go on the TV shows and reach. It's like, nah, it's not that. Right. So to have, you know, again, I think I've mentioned it. My mom's book that she wrote, Potatoes Not Prozac, I don't know, 150,000 copies, 200,000 copies. And thousands of those people have changed their lives for the better because of her work. Like that's a big, big impact. Well, she's not Brene Brown. Great, okay, that's fine. Is my mom living an epic life? Yeah, I wouldn't say so. Is she making a difference? Yep. So, you know, the, the, again, finding a sweet spot, but I don't know, I, I wonder about my own desire for my own ambition. And, and I think there's, as you said, fallibility, <laughs> humility, I find them appealing. It's like, yeah, you don't need to be, you don't need to be Tony Robbins, right? The whole. Please don't be Tony I Robbins. Stand I mean, I got, I don't have nothing, whatever. I got, Tony, I'm sure Tony Robbins is a fine, I don't, I have very little knowledge of Tony Robbins, but I just like, yeah, someone's gotta be, yeah, we can't all be Tony, yeah. Right. That was, I, I just contributed nothing to the conversation. <laughs> I like I like the idea of speaking in front of a room, speaking in front of a big room, in front of a thousand people, and you know, having people be excited about what I'm sharing. And but I, I don't want I don't know. You know, it's a, I it's a mixed bag. I'm like one thing that's coming up is being be average. Mm -hmm. Is that the improv, improv maxim? Yeah, the improv tenant be average. Just mm -hmm. just show up and do something good enough. Mm -hmm. Or not. I just just be like be willing to be mediocre. Just just do your thing. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's a how, not a what. And and it's an approach, it describes an approach rather than a end point or a an achievement or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm struggling with this right now because I am right, I'm in a leadership position at BATS. BATS is going through a lot of change. It's a hard, it's, and it's hard. This is Bats Improv, in case anybody's new to the podcast. Yes, Bats Improv, San Francisco. And it's a 34-year-old company, almost 35-year-old company. And yeah, this is hard for any group of artists. Like the pandemic is hard. And then, and then facing a lot of this racial justice, mm -hmm. these racial justice questions and changes, we, we are a predominantly white or arts organization. So there's, there's, thing upon thing that is that are that raise questions that need to be mm -hmm. answered and i am in the middle of planning the january through june season mm -hmm. i'm like we need to i need to lay down shows and i am paralyzed by 
how to make that decision, what shows to like, is it good enough? Are we breaking ground? How are we like, the, you know, there's, you would hear these tales of like organizations, you know, who are in a, in a rough patch. And then this like visionary leader comes in and like makes a move that nobody thought would work, but it actually ends up like revolutionizing everything and saving the day. And it's impossible if I start to think that I'm supposed to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But I, but I get stuck in that. I do right. get stuck in that feeling. And just recently I, I reached out the, the, the thing that I am grateful for in, in myself, the thing that I have learned is to make a phone call when I feel stuck. Mm. And so I reach out and just to say, I'm stuck. I'm not moving forward with this project and I know I need to, and I'm stuck. So this time I, I reached out to a, a former AD, a former artistic director and I am the artistic director now. So it's somebody who has been in this role before. And I said, I can't, I'm like stuck with making decisions on these shows. He goes, do the easiest thing. What would be the easiest thing for you to do right now? And I like rattled off the, what I would do. He's like, done, you're done, done. Just, <laughs> it's not the time to like break innovative artistic, grant. like just get it, just right. Yeah, just get it done, you know? And I had I'm I recognized and had to name that like there's some pressure I'm putting on myself to like get the thing. Right, to be exceptional, yeah. The linchpin, the what is that called? Keystone? The keystone. Like the thing that like, ah, perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nah, girl, just decide. Mm-hmm. Just decide on stuff. Just decide. Right. Slog it forward. Slog it forward. Move it. Just keep this thing moving like for now. And I think there's some humility in that and being like, oh, you know what? This is a moment just to like allow yourself to be average. <laughs> like allow right. yourself to make yeah. an average choice, you know, and refocus and not make this, not make what happens in January about me yeah. and what I've done and leaving my, you know, it's like, right. you know, the need to know what's happening so they can prepare just get something on the calendar just go i'm reminded of the people who the stories of the people who built cathedrals in europe you know the cathedral took 150 years to build right and and the people in the middle of that they never saw the cathedral finished they're just stacking stones stacking stones and you know shaping wood and creating a an altar or something but like they're not seeing the final product but they're a big part of it that cathedral wouldn't have happened without them kind of thing, right? So like, yeah, maybe you, bats is something in 10 years from now that you won't you know, be in the in the immediate midst of seeing or they won't say, oh, Lisa Rowland did that. But you will have been a part of building that cathedral yeah. that, that it becomes. Yeah. Why do we want the recognition? Like, what's the... it's not even it's not even i don't even think it's recognition for me it doesn't feel like i want everyone to know that that i've done the best thing like i definitely want to be seen i definitely want to be recognized i I like being recognized when people say this was in large part because of what ted did or you know ted really helped us get there like i like that feels good i mean i like that too i like that too but it does it's not it's not ringing as the primary motivator okay. in, in this choice for me now okay. of like ah if i make the right choice then everybody will be saying this thing about me uh it's more like this is the this could be the moment that everything turns around and feels better for everyone and i i can 
help you know it's like some weird savior thing i, I was just gonna like, say oh. savior yeah seems like a savior yeah. thing. yeah it's like i gotta so i'm in the process of letting that go <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah it seems like if we're going to practice humility letting go of a savior yeah, well, yeah. complex is probably a good idea right so, yeah let's go together yeah sure. it's like my mom my mom would always say my mom is so great but she would say whenever when Whenever I got really upset, usually I would get to, uh, get upset about, oh God, I said I was going to go to this party. I remember this one conversation. I said I was going to go to this party, but I'm like so tired. And I don't feel good. And I just want to stay in tonight. I just feel overloaded. But I said I would go and I don't want to let, you know, it's like, I don't want to disappoint whatever. And mom's like, honey, get over yourself. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, whether people have a good time at this party is not actually decided by whether you're there or not. Like this, you're not that you're actually not that important. <laughs> so like just good perspective you know. from your mom, but does she know how much fun you are at parties? Yeah, I, does she, she not... get like how yeah. important I actually am? Exactly. Um yeah, it was a funny, it was it was great. And it was like I, you know, with all love, you're mm -hmm. just not that powerful. Mm -hmm. So you can let right. it go. Right. Yeah, that's that's a that's a great interpersonal insight too like usually when people have problems like we get so ramped up about uh, and i was like it doesn't it actually doesn't have anything to do with you it actually doesn't have like nobody is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you mm -mm. so mm -mm. if you're just not that you're just yeah. not not this yeah yeah so all right well so we've determined that that maybe you're you're not the savior Maybe the, the bat savior. Maybe I don't want to yeah. rule out the possibility. We don't. Yeah. I mean, it's like, let's not be rash in the, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I've determined that I'm not going to save, be one of the 25 people to help save the world. You are not that Martin I, Luther King I, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Reincarnated. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought I was when I was a kid. So that's good. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, maybe I can move the ball forward a little bit, the human ball forward a little bit. Give a great home to my cats. You know, you know, I, I assume parenthood will be quite humbling. Yeah. Okay. So let's just, let's, let's, maybe we can close with this little riff. Cause I've been wondering about that Yeah. Uh, and we're kind of reaching our time here, but so speak a little bit about upcoming momhood and humility. And what, what do you think of that? I mean, I just think I don't know anything. Oh, mm. uh, mm, that's not totally, that's not true. I mean, I just think that there's going to be more times than not that I have no idea what the right thing to do is. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting because you're framing it as not knowing, which is perfectly reasonable. And when I was thinking of it, I was thinking of it as along the lines of it's not about me, right? There's going to be so many times, not about you, as, as mom, particularly a single mom, where it's like, the baby's going to need something and it might conflict with what you want or what you need. Oh yeah. You're right. It's just going to happen over and over and over again. There's a humility in that of like, yep, I'm putting this other person first. I'm going to take care of what of they need. Like, of course. Yeah. Right. And, and as a non-parent independent guy, I, I'm in a relationship now, but you know, sort of generally doing my own thing. Yeah. I don't have to make that kind of choice very often. Right. Right. If I do, I, it's really elected. I choose to do it. Yeah. Whereas in in momhood and parenthood, especially with baby, like 
you know, we don't get to choose. Like it has to be done. No, your needs don't matter. The baby's right. needs matter. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. your needs can can be. Yeah. There's put it that. there's a nakedness of that humility that that I think. Uh, it's interesting. It's one of the great respects that I have for people who have had children that I know I haven't gone through. Like I know you've been through that, and and in some sense, I think of it as a sign of a marker of adulthood. It's not that you have to have kids to be an adult, but that if you've had kids, that you've had that humbling. You've gone through that fight, that forge of humbling that having a kid has. Yeah. And so, you, you know, oh, maybe you go through that and you come out with defensiveness or rigidity or some other coping mechanism, but there's something to it that it's just like, it's so in your face humbling. Mm-hmm that something else has to emerge from you in order to be Yeah, I I do I for me the humbling doesn't come in giving up giving up your needs but in oh you can't get this right. Mm. You can't get it right. Mm-hmm. So so you're being in love with being right and and you're not your but like you the, a person's right. attachment to knowing mm-hmm. how this goes how it could go how it should go. Right. How you will meet this moment, what you know about the right way to raise your kid Mm -hmm. or that a person should raise their kid. Like, I just think everything that I think I know will at one point go out the window. Interesting. Except for foundational things like, I know that it is my job to do everything in my power to make a kid feel safe and loved, to recognize that like, to, to empower them to mm-hmm. right like, like certain, certain things. Like, I think I know some foundational things that I don't think are going to be, I don't imagine those will, those will be too shaken. Although those will wobble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like this idea, this idea that like, but I'm also, I'm also like prepared to be taken on the biggest ride of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's like the giving up your needs is like a, a piece of Small it. Small piece of that, right. But, but a much bigger one is like, oh yeah, and everything else, like every other expectation you have about what kind of parent you're going to be, yeah, you can get ready to kiss that goodbye because you actually have no idea until you get mm-hmm. in the moment. Like this is what I've gleaned, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm just sort of like eyes open, ready to be sort of taken on a ride and and taught like a great improviser that i know joe joe bill said to me you are about to meet your greatest teacher Mm. you are about to meet your greatest teacher and so that kind of humility of like oh this idea that like i'm the parent so i know the things I'm going to teach this child, right? I will teach this child. And it's like, mm. <laughs> good well, luck. Or, we, or yeah, both. Yeah, of course you are. And of course you are. And there's things you can't know yet. There's things yeah. you cannot know. So that's, that's for me where the humility, I think. Love it. I love it. How I, I like connect that, to humility and parenthood. Yeah. I like that we came full circle around to this notion of, you know, being right or needing to be right or wanting to be right and letting that go a bit. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, which leads me to say that folks, you know, folks listening, anything that we've said in this podcast episode, it may or may not be right. We don't know. It's just where we are. 
just where we are at this moment. We're offering some average thoughts. I mean, which is true about every conversation we have. I know. Don't tell them that, though. It's like John Stone wrote Impro and now sort of hates that book. And this is what I've heard. And he's like, oh, God, I wrote that before I did all my best thinking. But it's like the thing that. Right. Right. It's this moment in time. Like he's moved on from it. He's like, oh, books. It's This is the problem with books is they like capture a moment in time and you keep changing and that book doesn't change anymore. Mm-hmm. But if that's what people assign to you, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, or like artists or whatever who make songs that were like really true at one point in their lives or careers. And then it's 20 years later and all the public wants is that song. And they're like, you guys, there's Come more, on. There's more right. than this. Anyway, yeah. but it's like all we ever have is what we know now. Right. If the Beatles were stuck with, I want to hold your hand. Just to make a new super long time ago reference. It's a great one. Yeah. So, all right. Let's pull this bad boy together. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> nice to nice to check in with you. Good yeah. to catch up and super uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, but folks, will uh, thanks for listening, and. Um, Hope this uh, finds you well, and uh, we'll say goodbye in the outro. I don't know what we're saying now, but it's some form of goodbye I for another we're minute. Goodbye. They might not stick around for the if they don't stick around for the outro. Then True. then let us bid you adieu right now, and hope that you have a great rest of your time. Yeah, <laughs> on the planet. Hope the yeah, hope I hope great. your I hope your time continues to be great. Awesome. If it has been great or starts being great if it hasn't been great. I, you know, I just best wishes to all of you. Oh, awesome. have a really and, lovely, warm holiday season. Yeah. And stick around for the outro. We're going to have a little outro in just a minute. We'll, we'll tie things up, but uh, yeah. glad you're with us. Indeed. Lisa Rowland, talk to me. How are you feeling about that episode? I liked it. It's on that your was mind. Nice. Mm-hmm. I liked Anything stand it. out for you? I guess just this theme of humility equals recognizing you might not know. Mm-hmm. Being willing to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Truly willing. Yeah. There's a generosity in it. There's a generosity and humility that's that's neat, and then and there's an openness to 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 learning new stuff, yeah, new stuff, right? Yeah. And and I like what you said about you brought in the notion of full boldness at the same time as being humble, and that you can have both of those going at the same time. You don't have to apologize for the knowledge you have or the expertise you have, but in the same way that. <laughs> that pharmacy museum of like science declares this to be true and 50 years from now like oh my god what were we thinking yeah to to have that notion we were actually doing damage yeah and we were so certain yeah so it's like okay what am i so certain of that let me just let me just take a pull it back a notch yeah so i like that idea right on well I, i hope that's i hope that's helpful in in terms of uh coming out of this year that's been such a challenge in so many ways and going forward and like we've got all the uncertainty that we're still facing but all right well let's you know one step in front of the other one foot in front of the other and let's do what needs to be done and stick with it know what we know and and learn what learn what we can yeah anything you want to let people know about before we close it out 
I don't think so. You know, there's shows at Bats every Friday and Saturday. So if you're looking for Great. some improv, 8 p.m. improv.org. There's different stuff all the time. Uh, classes as well. Really fun classes going on. And yeah. I'm actually, teaching a, I'm actually teaching a class on Saturday, which probably this will be not out by then. But it's called The Grateful Improviser. And it's all about gratitude and uh, sort of, uh, yeah, using improv to practice gratitude, which I'm, I'm really excited about it. Oh, love it. Uh, maybe maybe it'll go so well that you'll teach another one because I'll bet plenty of our listeners would be psyched about that. Yeah. Or maybe we could even do an independently run with Monster Baby listeners if enough yeah, people totally. registered interest. So, okay. Let us know. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. And I want to remind people about uh, the book Playful Mindfulness that came out of our conversations on this podcast that came out almost two years ago now, but still Jeez. makes a great... Uh, still makes a great holiday gift. So if you're, you want to send Playful Mindfulness to somebody you love or get a copy for yourself, check out playfulmindfulness.info and uh, I can sign it for you. Send it where you want it to go. Happy to do that. Signed by the author. Oh. Don't pass this up, people. Wow. So yeah, playfulmindfulness.info. And then uh, I'm probably going to be doing a mindful communication class that starts in January. So keep an eye out for that at the same website. Be really fun to have you on board if you want to do that with us. Great, so, love it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. It's a treat to be here sharing this with you, uh, mm-hmm. Ted. It's a treat to be here sharing this with you. Great to be with you, Elise. We hope you all have a fantastic holiday season. Till the next time. Bye.